Hello and welcome to the Edify Podcast, where we believe success can be achieved by small and simple means. Do you have a property that is in rough condition, has tenant issues, or a project that never got finished? Then you need to contact Homelink Properties. This Springfield, Missouri-based company will give you a fair cash offer on your property, completely as is, the same day you reach out. If you're an investor, Homelink Properties can also put your house in front of hundreds of cash buyers so that you too can quickly sell your property. Give them a call today, 417-295-0723. All right, I'm excited for today's guest. He's a really good friend of mine. He is a small business owner, a farmer. Uh, He has his real estate license, and so he's a former real estate agent. He has his auctioneer license and is a former auctioneer and he's a current real estate investor. Um, I'm very excited for him to share his story, how he went from going nine to five and actually working overtime at a job to becoming a business owner and a real estate investor. So without further ado, welcome John Mitchell to the show. What's up, Jake? Thanks for having me today. Yeah, no problem, man. I'm glad we were able to get together and do this. Um, let's start off by you uh, just telling us a little bit uh, your background. Tell us your story specifically. Let's start with high school and just go right into from high school, what happened and to where you are today. I went to a small town high school in Ash Grove. Uh, went to Bodark Elementary my whole life. I've lived out there my whole life. I didn't do very good in high school. You know, it was one of them deals. Uh, I didn't really care about it, wasn't focused, and just didn't really have much interest in it. And then right after I got out of high school, my dad got me a job at FedEx. Uh, he's a mechanic at FedEx and then got me a job on the dock. Uh, I thought it was a great job because they were paying pretty good. And I worked there for about six years and didn't really like it very much because I'd have to go in at like midnight and work till like 11 o'clock or noon. And I thought I wanted to be a driver at FedEx and drive a truck and deliver. And I was had everything going for me to get a job as a driver. Uh-huh. And I was like, man, I'm going to get this job. I'm going to be a driver. I'm going to be making, you know, 60, 70, 80,000 a year. It's going to be awesome. And when they did the interviews for the driving spot, I didn't get it. And so I was like, man, this stinks. You know, I don't know why I didn't get the job. It's everything I'd worked for. I was like, man, you know, this sucks. And then three or four months later, man, COVID hit. And all those drivers that had just gotten the job were stuck back on the dock and it was a completely bad situation and i was like okay that worked out in my favor that's why i didn't get the job it wasn't meant to be and so i kind of seen that that wasn't meant to be at all and i was okay with it then but i still was like man i don't if i'm not going to drive there's not i don't want to work the dock my whole life so i don't really like want to stick around here and you know do that whole thing of you know, coming in at midnight and working all night long. Uh, I'm engaged and stuff, so I have, you know, a family, and I just wasn't about working overnights, and so. And at this point, how, so you, are you farming at this point too? Yeah, so at this point in my life, we had been doing cattle, so every, I mean, elementary, high school, first two years of FedEx, we have cattle, and so we're doing cattle farming. It's nothing major. I mean, I would help my dad out every now and then by feeding hay but towards the end of my career at FedEx I'd say maybe like the last year of FedEx Uh we got into doing row crops we're cropping about close to 100 acres of soybeans and uh, this is actually my first year doing crops so we were doing about 100 acres of soybeans and then we kept about 20 acres for cattle and so there at the end of FedEx I was trying to farm on the side of working you know 10 to 12 hours a day 
at midnight overnight and trying to fit farming in on the side and that sucked so just just to kind of recap so you basically you struggle with school you managed to graduate school barely Barely. which i want want, i'd like you to tell a little bit of that story and and kind of what's the i think it was your principal what he said yeah uh and then uh basically from there then you went to starting fedex while farming and you're working and maybe you talk about a lot of the hours you're working and then tell us about the transition to where you are now yeah so when I was in school, like I said, it wasn't I wasn't very interested in school. It's not that I wasn't learning, I just I wasn't organized is probably my biggest reason why I wasn't successful in school. And actually the day that I graduated, I remember my principal saying that he was surprised to see me walking across <laughs> the stage on graduation. So yeah, at the time I was like, Man, that's pretty embarrassing. Yeah. Because, you know, nobody wants to be the the at the bottom of the pole when it comes to school you know but um yeah so after that i graduated and i didn't go to college or anything i i planned on going to mwi to be a Mm -hmm. welder and i'd actually made a meeting with the school to go to welding school and just somewhere throughout summer i was like man i don't i got the job at fedex and i was like i don't think i want to travel and weld because i don't want to have to go across across the state or anything. So now you're working at FedEx. During this time, you're working quite a bit of hours. You're doing some farming. Where does becoming a real estate agent and being an auctioneer come into play? Yeah, so through all of this, I remember very specifically, I was at work one night and I was driving a truck, hostling trailers around in the yard. Uh, so basically I would back like all the semi-trailers into the doors. That way the guys could load it with a forklift. And I remember just sitting there like at a door and I was like, man, it's 2 a.m. and this sucks. I don't want to do this. And so I was like, I'm going to sign up to go to auctioneer school. And so I literally got on my phone. I'd already looked at it before. And they had a class, they had to do this class like twice a year or maybe even once a year. I don't remember. But I was like, man, they've got a class coming up in four months. I think I'm, I think I'm going to do it. And so I got on their website and you could pay for it right there with a card. It's 1320 bucks. I was like, man, I'm going to do it. And so I got on there paid them, signed up for the 10-day class, and like four months later, I went to Branson. That's where the school was. It's a worldwide auction school, so I went to Branson is where it was held at. See, people like me didn't even know there's a school for becoming an auctioneer. I just thought it was a talent. (laughs) It's crazy. There's a lot that goes into it. That's crazy. And so I went to school, did a 10-day class. Man, I will say the thing about FedEx is they're super lenient on time off, and so I was able to get 10 days off to go to this school for 10 days. So I went straight 10 days to Branson. Wow. Yeah. And so that's a very hard business to break into just for the fact that it's like ran by the people who are in it and doing it full time pretty much dominate the market for it. Uh, So it's really hard to break into. And I've worked for some people. Dusty Essek is one who I've worked for. Awesome guy. But other than that, it's just hard to really make like a full-blown business out of it if it's not in your family it's just real hard to get it started gotcha so i'm gonna put you on the spot i want to hear your best uh, auctioneer impression all right you gotta (laughs) do it to me i'm 25 better than 30 now 30 better than 35 now would he get 40 40 better than 40 now 45 better than 45 better than one time one time now 45 better than 45 sold them 40 dollars on jake's way 40 dollars put them on jake i wish i could do that that's yeah. awesome. Did, did it take a lot of time to learn how to do that? Yeah, and the school, like, people's like, oh, they teach you that in school. And I'm like, no. I mean, you learn, like, the fundamentals and the basics in school Uh huh. because there's two sides of it. There's the business side of auctioneering, and then there's the, the actual chant, uh-huh. uh, you know, the auction rattle, and learning how to do that. 
but you learn a lot of that at home and just practicing and going to auctions and just really practicing a lot on uh-huh. how to get that chant down. That's cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, okay, so you're at FedEx. You're now in auctioneer school. You do that. You do some auctioneering for some time. What happened there? Yeah, so after like trying to start an auctioning business, I actually booked my own auction in Nixa, which was super cool. It was like a pa- like a, a company that buys bulk pallets of like Amazon uh-huh. Depot returns. And so I booked my auction and I called a couple of my buddies from auction school. One of them lived in Arkansas, and one of them actually lived right here at home. And so um, I called them up and said, hey, guys, you want to help me work an auction that I booked? And they came down, and we put an auction together, and it was cool. But after that, it was it's hard to book those auctions. And so I was like, man, I don't think auctioning is going to get me out of FedEx, which was like what was on my mind was, man, I do not want to stay here my whole life. I need to get out of FedEx. There's bigger and better things out there. Sure, which and to a lot of people, I mean, working at FedEx and becoming a driver and having benefits and security and a and a pretty decent paying job, it sounds pretty ideal. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it probably was to a person that just wants to be comfortable and secure, but that's just man, I just knew that there was more out there for me and I wanted more for my family and you know, I wanna have the freedom to spend time with my, my mom and my dad and my fiance, my soon to be wife, and you know, just spend time on the farm and raise some kids on the farm. So that's kind of what I wanted to look forward to. I remember my dad missing football games and stuff like that when I was in high school because he worked overnight at FedEx too uh, as a mechanic. And I just remember like being like, man, I don't want to have to miss the sporting events of my kids or you know, recitals or right. what have you. All right. So how did so okay? So you how did you transition into going to pursue getting your real estate license? So. It's the exact situation that it was with the auctioneer. I remember <laughs> driving the truck around in the yard, backing trailers into doors, and I was like, man. I think this I'll, is at FedEx. This is at FedEx. Okay, okay. Again, because like you two, were just doing auctioneer on the side. Yeah, man. So this is like six months later. Uh-huh. And I was sitting at FedEx. I was like, man, once again, I don't want to be here the rest of my life. <laughs> I better get my real estate license. <laughs> and so um, literally I hopped on this there was a class in Springfield and I knew who it was. I talked to him before, but just never pulled the trigger. Cause I was, you know, everybody's like the test is hard. Like mm-hmm. the test is really hard. And I'm like, well, I sucked at high school. Yeah. I got to suck at this real estate test. And I was like, Oh heck with it. I said, I'll sign up for it. And so I got on the internet, looked up the class. It was 370 bucks. And so I got on there, paid for it. And it was a week long. So it was five days. And then the next week it was three days. And so, once again, I asked my same manager, I said, hey, man, I said, uh, I want to do this real estate class. Do you care if I take off for like eight days? <laughs> That's crazy. And he's like, yeah, man, right on. Go ahead. So, I'll, I mean, just he was a pretty generous guy. And so he let me off, and that was awesome. So I did my week-long class, went to school, and then right after school, I went and took the test, passed the national test or, or federal test or whatever it is, and missed the state test uh-huh. like three questions uh-huh. and I was like man and I really like studied my butt off uh-huh. I studied the crap out of that thing and so I went home little discouraged not bad and I got on my computer and did some more studying and studying and studying and went back took it again like a week later and passed it and so I hadn't applied for my real estate license and got it um, I, I for some people probably don't know this about the process with becoming a real estate agent. So you have to take a course. Uh, you have to do like the 24 hour course. It might be different in person, but you have to, you have to go through the program 
then you have to pass two tests, state and federal or, or whatever it is. You're, um, and then you have to find some a broker to hang your license with. Right. So who'd you end up hanging your license with? So I originally hung my license with Keller Williams. I've been with a couple different brokerages. I'm just trying to find the right fit for me. Um, so I hung it with Keller Williams to begin with. And then I went to EXP because you hear everybody talking about the stocks program. Uh-huh. Like, Man, that sounds pretty cool. But honestly, I wasn't a big. I'm not a big fan of like going and showing properties just because you're like on. And not to sound rude, but it, you're on everybody else's time. And so if they're 20 minutes late, 30 minutes late, I mean, you just kind of got to eat that time. Yeah. And you know, I'd have to go, you know, an hour away from home to show five houses. It just kind of. It really eats a lot of time, especially when you're trying to farm and trying to, you know, you've got a very planned out schedule. And so I was like, this isn't really for me. So I didn't sell, sell a ton of houses. I think in the amount of time I maybe sold like six houses. But I was like, ah, I don't really want to do this. And so I was paying EXP the 85 bucks a month to be part of the brokerage. Oh, I think at one point you were saying like even like 16 hour days. Yeah. So trying between like FedEx and farming and trying to do some real estate and they were having like I was on a team at Keller Williams, and uh-huh. so they had a meeting like every Monday, and then we did two videos a week uh-huh. to put on our Facebook, so I'd have to take like an hour twice a week for that, and then an hour for the meetings. Well, those were right in the middle of the day, and usually my schedule would be go to work at 12 in the morning and get off like around 10 or 11. How did you get to where you are now, becoming a small business owner and investing in real estate? Yeah, man, so I think God just kind of really aligned the right people mm-hmm. in my life because I had people that were like, man, John, like quit FedEx, like you can do it, you'll be all right. And I would always, it was just so comfortable because honestly I was making good money and I was comfy. And so I was like, well, you know, it wasn't the right timing for me because I didn't really feel like anything was like there to give me that push. And so I had always had kind of people in my ear like telling me, you know, hey man, you can do it, you know. And then, man, just one day, I was really, really thinking about quitting FedEx, and you know, it was Friday, I was thinking about quitting, I was like, I don't know, and so I was like, I'm just going to take the weekend to think about it and pray about it, and so I remember going to church that Sunday, and it was the end of the sermon, you know, and everybody's praying, and I just asked God, I was like, how I got that job was through my hunter, which is my future brother-in-law, he was doing some remodeling, he has a big framing crew now, and so he gave me the lead for the job. I got it, and I was working, like I said, at 12 to, you know, 11 o'clock in the afternoon, and then going straight to Nixa, doing uh-huh. this remodel until, like, 5 or 6 at night, and so it'd be, like, 20-hour days. FedEx, farming, and, because you're still farming. I'm still farming. This so, in, FedEx, farming, and now remodeling some clients' yeah, houses. Yeah, man, and this is in spring, so this is, I'm trying to get beans in the ground, trying to spray, trying to fertilize, trying to do this guy's remodel i mean it was a full like it was a full upstairs remodel like uh-huh. 2200 square foot upstairs that i was remodeling i think it's myself. i think it's important for us to mention too is this referral base started coming out um i mean you got it from your your brother your future brother-in-law but you had remodeled you bought a farmhouse you had remodeled it which it looks dang good um and people saw what you did and next thing you know you started having kind of leads come through yeah, so how I got that house is actually right across from our family farm. Um, it was rough, too, man. That place was rough. And my guy that was uh, bailing our hay for my parents, he had said that the neighbor was selling their house. And he had heard that from the guy who owned the house. So I called him, and I was like, hey, man, 
So are you selling that house? He said, no, where'd you hear that from? I said, oh, I heard it from Randy. He said, you're selling the house. He's like, no, but you might ask my dad. I think he's selling his house, which is right around the corner, Ray. Uh-huh. So I called Ray and said, hey, Ray, you, you selling the house down the road? He's like, yeah, I've got a house down the road for sale. So I went and looked at it. And, dude, there was, like, game boards hung up all over the wall. Like, it was weird. The house was painted, like, pink and, green, like, olive green. And uh-huh. Just disgusting. And we went down there and looked at it. And we went through about two or three months of negotiations because the bank wouldn't lend on it because the house was so rough. In the backyard, it was growing so thick that you couldn't, I mean, you probably couldn't walk through it. And luckily, I had a buddy that had a skid loader. I worked on that yard for, like, 32 hours with a skid loader cleaning it up. But... Anyways, yeah, so this house was, it's about 1,500 square foot, has 10 acres and three or four barns on it, and uh, I went through about six months while working at FedEx remodeling this thing, and that's kind of how I got my feet on the ground in the remodeling business. I, I really loved it, and actually, this is right during when COVID hit. And, so. and I have to say, it looks beautiful, because I've been in your house, and uh, it, he did a good job on it. Thanks, man. Yeah, so this is right when COVID hit, so we had a lot of time to work on it then, and we really just made it cute yeah so. yeah okay so now you're getting these leads come in you're still working at fedex you've gotten the answer that hey now i need to go uh start this construction business so you got that rolling where did you get to the point where you're like all right i'm done with fedex deuces <laughs> yeah so after i was getting ready to finish up my first initial remodel for a client in nixa and i just kind of felt like god was calling me away from fedex my fiance had okayed it and I had not told my dad because my dad is a very comfortable person and he's not, he doesn't love change. I wouldn't say he's not open to change. It's not his first go-to. Yeah. Um, dad, so I hope I, you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I didn't tell my dad originally, but I definitely told my mom that I was quitting. And, uh, I remember one night we'd do like a family dinner with my fiance's family and my family on Friday nights or at the time we were. And so I'd kind of told dad that night, he didn't really give me a whole lot of pushback. So that was nice. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just quit really cold Turkey, man. Like I didn't, I think I had maybe like one other job lined up Mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm just like, if God's calling you to do something, you do. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably pretty cool that you felt like you've had that, uh, push from God and, you know, people that are listening to this might not, you know, believe in God or whatever, higher, if they believe in higher power or whatever, but um, you felt that even if they want to change, they don't make the change. They're afraid to take action. They're afraid to take that leap of faith. Um, because what if, what if you crash and burn? Yeah. Did you have some of those thoughts or? Oh, I'd say that's pretty human nature to have a thought of, you know, what if I fail? But the thing of it is, is you've got to come to the realization that you have to be okay with that failure. Right. And I was, I, I'm completely okay with going to nothing because, I mean, at the end of the day, man, you can get right back to it. I mean, it is what it is. Stuff doesn't always work out. It's it's all good. You know? Right. So, I mean, yeah, st- I've, I've definitely overcome some self-doubt and, and stuff. And it's just one of those things that you just have to trust that it's meant to be. And honestly, I haven't had any downtime. I've been extremely blessed with the amount of work that I've had. So I think what I've noticed about your story and we'll talk you getting into investing and how you, uh, currently own four houses. Well, you've done four real estate deals, um, in the matter of, in the last, what, three, six months. Yeah. So I've bought the houses in the past three months and then 
flipped one already closed on it and then I've bought three more. Gotcha. One. Okay. And we'll, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But what I think is really cool about your story is, uh, not only was there a, a, some level of faith of taking that leap of faith, but instead of sitting back and analyzing the heck out of it, you're just like, dude, I'm just going to grind. And you just kept working, working, which, uh, I wish we had the video camera in here cause, uh, he's got his Mitchell construction shirt on and it says, uh, dream bigger, work harder. Yeah. Um, so you let's talk about your first deal. How did you get into your first deal? Cause now you've, you've gone full force with the construction business. You're getting some cash flow coming in. Things are looking good. Cause I mean, you started this business this year right. and you're already bringing in quite a bit of cash flow and then you end up buying a house. So let's talk, talk through that. Yeah. So after my first job in Nixa, I think I'd had one small job lined up after that. And I have a line of credit. I have access to a line of credit. And just to, <coughs> just to explain that, um, I've leveraged our family farm against that line of credit to have the money to purchase a house and remodel it to flip. And so, um, and just so people understand that that makes it a cash offer because you're not, t you're not having to wait on a bank to get a loan and put a typical like 20% down or, or whatever. Right. Right. So I had the cash to purchase a house. And so my good buddy, Mike, um, I had gotten in contact with him because he had referred me out to somebody before I really knew him. And, um, when he referred me out for a construction job, I called him and said, Hey man, you know, I don't, I don't know you, you don't know me, but I just, I want to say thank you for giving me a referral. I said, I'm pretty new into the business and just trying to get my grounding. And so from then on, I was like, by the way, hint, hint, if you have any South side deals, send them my way. <laughs> and so he'd send me some, a couple houses here and there and, you know, they were a little bit more than what I was wanting to take on because I wanted my first deal to be a crappy house, but nothing that needed anything like super major, uh -huh. like rim joist, floor joist, anything like that. And so I remember I was down at the lake in Oklahoma with my buddy Colton and Mike calls me and says, Hey dude, I've got a house on the South side of Springfield. Um, can you come look at it right now? I said, I'm on a boat in Oklahoma right now, but if we get back before like 10 o'clock, I said, could you show it to me at like nine? And <laughs> he's like, yeah, man, I think I can show it to you at nine. I was like, all right, sweet. And so it's kind of a risk looking at a house in the dark like that. I, mean, yeah. I just don't really know. And so I grabbed a couple flashlights from the house and I met Mike over there and he showed it to me and I was just trying to take it all in because when I was at FedEx, I feel like I was in like that analysis paralysis s stage because I'd had the line of credit for a year I just hadn't used it and I finally had the chance to use it. And so, um, we went and looked at it. I looked it over everything structurally, like looked really good. I knew in my head that that w it was a good deal, but I was afraid to pull the trigger. Right. And so he's like, you want it? And I was like, I don't know, Mike, I need to think on this one. And so I remember going home and as soon as I jumped in my truck and took off from the house, I was like, man, I need to buy that house. Like I'm, I'd be stupid not to buy that house. Yeah. Because I knew I could make money on it. I knew it had some potential. And so I just went ahead and thought on it over the night. And I remember sitting in the tractor the next morning. I was planting millet. And uh, I was like, I called my mom. And I was like, hey, mom, I looked at this house with Mike last night. I think it's a good deal. I think we can make some money on it. I said, do you care if I use the line of credit to buy it? She's like, no, I don't care. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to put an offer on it then. And so I offered Mike full price on it. We closed on it like two weeks later. And that was the start of my first deal, man. So let's talk about the specs of this house and like 
kind of how much you made because uh, I mean, you, you got a lot of change going on here. You, you just started a business. You just took on a house. You're leveraging um, some family land, which can also be kind of scary too because yeah. you know you're going to owe people some money. Um, so you buy this house. Uh, I believe it was a three-bedroom, one-and-a-half bath. Is that correct? Yeah, so it was a three-bed, one-and-a-half bath, two-car garage on almost a half-acre lot in Southside Springfield. Which is, I mean – that's a that's beautiful. That's yeah. like <laughs> yeah. If you don't know Springfield, South Side's a good side. North Side's a little bit rougher. Uh, so this house was definitely it needed some work, man. It needed a new roof. It needed new siding. It needed new windows, and basically everything on the inside needed revamped. And so um, when I put the offer on the house, I was extremely uncomfortable because I just quit my nine to five job, so I don't have that weekly paycheck coming in, which is took a lot of getting used to from going to, you know, I'm going to make X amount of dollars. I mean, you're basically getting paid like twice per job. So if this job takes a month, you're going to get paid, you know, once for that month. I mean, you're not making money that whole like four weeks. Right. And so this was like an extremely uncomfortable situation. And I knew that I was in the right spot being uncomfortable. I knew that that's where you grow. And so, yeah, this house needed everything. And we got started on it, and I knew I needed some help, and I had a couple buddies helping me kind of part-time here and there when they could. And um, even though I have my real estate license, it was kind of just like a, hey, thanks for bringing me the deal. Right. I'll let you list this house. And so I had my buddy Mike list it, and then the other realtor fees. And so all in, all out, I think we walked away with $26,900 on our first flip. In a matter of two months, right? Two and a half months, yeah. So. Wow. that's And, and to any, anybody's standards, I mean, you, you can get more money on flips. You can get less money on flips. But, I mean, two and a half months making $26,000, that's pretty good. Yeah, man. It was crazy. And I was like, man, if we would have been like 10000 less in that, that would have been 36900 so Yeah. That's forty grand. That's crazy. Yeah. So you, you had a good first flip and then all of a sudden you went from, cause I, uh, we, we met around this time and, and become friends. Um, and I tried to talk you into renting that thing out to do the bird method method, which is, uh, for our listeners is, you know, to buy rehab it, rent it out, refinance it, and then repeat that process. Right. Um, so that way not only do you get all your money back. So he, if he would have bird this, he would have had not only $26,000 that he made, um, but then he also would have been able to rent that thing out for around sixteen hundred dollars a month and been cash flowing probably around f- close to five hundred bucks or so. Yeah, five or six hundred. Yeah. yeah, which is so that's that's crazy. Which uh, we you we you and I have talked. Uh, I know the reason why you decided not to hold it is because it was your first time and you wanted to make sure you did what was right by paying the that equity back. So yeah, so um, <clears throat> I'd kind of made a deal with uh, my folks since it you know I leveraged the family farm on the first flip and and any of the flips really to cut them a check back for letting me use the money. And so my dad didn't know the entire time that it was even my flip. I mean, he'd been over there, but I kind of maybe fibbed to him a little bit, told him (laughs) it wasn't my flip. That way he wouldn't be down my back Uh and like stressed out about it because he's a stressor sometimes. But my mom, she did know. And so at the very end when we closed, man, I wrote my dad a big check and handed it to him. And he had no words to say, dude. He was completely shell-shocked. Yeah, so I'm sure that was pretty satisfying. Yeah, it was awesome, man. Okay, so you flipped this home, and now since you flipped that home, you have bought three more houses. Yeah, so... So tell us about what you currently got going on. Not not only are you running your your construction business and you've got um, some client work to do there, but now you've got three houses um, 
that you just actually closed on two of them just a couple days ago. A couple days ago. Yeah. So um, after that first flip, I was like, you know, I can do one house at a time with the amount of money that I have for the line of credit. I said, it would be awesome if we could do two houses at a time instead of having to wait a whole month for it to close. Let's buy a house, rehab it, get it under contract because the contract's going to be 30 days pretty well at minimum unless they're buying it with cash. Mm-hmm. So let's have another house lined up right after that one and we'll jump right into it and it'll just keep snowballing. So that way we have a house to flip, a house to flip, a house to flip, just back to back. Right. And so I was like, you know, hey, Dad, I said, uh, I really need your signature to up this line of credit uh, if you're cool with that. He's like, yeah, that's that's fine. He said, just just be careful, John. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, I'll be careful. And so actually while the Bennett house, which was my first flip, was under contract, Mike had brought me another one in Springfield, and um, it was cheap, and I knew I could make money on it, but I had no money to buy it. And so I was like, man, dude, I need some money to buy this thing. And so my buddy Colton, one of my best friends, um, I called him because I knew he had a line of credit. He uh, deals in some classic cars and stuff, classic uh-huh. trucks, and you know buys them and resells them. And so I was like, hey, man, I said, do you think I could borrow like 70 grand? <laughs> <laughs> so I asked straight up, asked Colton for 70 grand. And I was on the phone. He's like, let me call you right back. And I was like, well, does that mean I can borrow the 70 grand or what? <laughs> and he's like, I'll call you back. And so he hangs up and calls me back like three minutes later, dude. He's like, hey, my dad, he's going to write you a check for 70 grand. You just need to post date him a check back for 70 grand. And I told Colton, I was like, I'll pay you 2,500 bucks and I'll pay you 500 bucks a month that I use it. And he said, yeah, just, po- just post date him a $70,000 check and then also uh, post date him a check for 30 or for 3,000. And so I wrote him a check for 3000 so I could use the money for the month and uh, wrote him a check for seventy grand. And I knew by that time I would have the line of credit back and it would be upped. Right. And so I went ahead and bought that house, and it's just a one-bed, one-bath. It's like 800 square feet. It's not a big deal, but the price was good enough to where I knew I can make twenty grand from right. it. And so let's, let's back up though for a minute, because I think a lot of people, uh, even if they knew somebody that had money, if they were wanting to get into real estate investing, they know people that have money, it can be an uncomfortable thing to ask for money. Yeah. Um, especially if you're just starting out, I know, cause you talked me into doing that just recently that yeah. I I've been able to, I'm working on a line of credit myself. Um, was that uncomfortable for you or because you've known them so well that you just, it was not a problem or. So let me like, just kind of tell you how I know Colton and it was uncomfortable a little bit. I actually met Colton at auctioneering school. <laughs> and so I hadn't known Colton for maybe a year. He's one of my best friends. I met him at auctioneering school and while we were at auctioneering school, I got to talking to him. I was like, yeah, because this is a worldwide auction school. Uh-huh. I was like, where are you from, man? He's like, Bodark. I was like, wait, like, Bodark is in like Missouri here, Bodark. And he's like, yeah. I was like, dude, I, I live in Bodark. <laughs> he's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, my dad has some, some cattle pens in Bodark because his dad has a big cattle operation uh-huh. in Nebraska. And so um, I hadn't known Colton for too terribly long, but we were pretty good friends. And so I called him and, um, you know, it was a little uncomfortable asking for that much money. And more so than just being uncomfortable, I still had like that nervous feeling like, 
now I'm using somebody, somebody else's money. money. And that's not even family. And it's not and, family. And, and what if you screw up? Although the, the money does ride on the farm, that's a very uncomfortable situation. But when you're when you're doing that plus using somebody else's money, yeah. you're really uncomfortable. Yeah. And so, but at the same time, I knew it was going to be mutually beneficial because he was going to make $3,000 pretty quick just for letting me use it for the month. Yeah. And so that's not that bad. But yeah, so I was able to buy the house and in between client jobs, because I'm still doing client jobs now trying to wrap those up so I can move into my own houses. But while we're doing all that, I had Speed, uh, which is a, a guy that works for me and I actually met him at FedEx. He's a real good bud. I had him over there demoing the Kansas house out on slow days. So that yeah. way the process has already started. Cool. Well, and I think we'll have to do a part two uh, interview with you to kind of go, because I know right now uh, you've got three houses in the works. So you've got that one, you've got another one you bought. Um, and then plus you've got, yeah, you've got three, yeah. three, three pretty much lined up right now. Um, so we'll have to do maybe like a, a follow up and see where you're at. Cause I have a feeling uh, in the next few months, we're going to see John Mitchell really explode. Um, you know, one thing that I really like about this story is that your willingness to just try new things, to be uncomfortable and still get after it. Um, a lot of really good investors that are using OPM, other people's money, um, to get into these deals um, and being able to pay them back and make them money. And so essentially they get the, real, the property for free, essentially, right? Because right. they get all their money back. They own an asset that's cash flowing them and they made a, basically got paid to, yeah, to own a property. Win, win, win. Yeah, which is awesome. Um, so what do you feel like has been one of your, like has led to your success thus far? Oh, I would say what's led to success is just having faith and just jumping out and trying new things. I mean, you, you're never gonna, you're never gonna know what's, you know, some things, everything has its, oh, I don't know how to say this, but you got to try new things to know what you're meant to do. Yeah. I mean, you just got to jump in, give it a shot. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Auctioneering didn't work. You know, selling real estate. A lot of people make a lot of money just selling real estate. It didn't work out for me. I didn't like it. So mm -hmm. just jumped on to the next thing. You just got to keep trying things. And just, I think that's where being successful has its, you know, its place is just, you have to be willing to do the work. And, you know, I've heard several people say, that having a big dream is free. Just go out and get after it and make yeah, it happen. That's so. cool. Um, so uh, as we're wrapping up here, I uh, got a few more questions and then we're going to go into our final three. Okay. What does the future hold for John Mitchell? So my long-term goal is to have 166 units <laughs> that cash flow $500. And that would be, that'd be a million dollars of passive income. Um, short term goals for like, I would say maybe like the next year or two years is to have 25 units that cash flow 500 because that would be 150,000 of passive income that would free up a little bit of more time for me to, yeah. to find more deals and, you know, just do some other things that I have in the pipeline. Well, you're definitely well on your way in and mark my words when we have you back on, I can't wait to see the transformation. And, uh, uh, I know that there's going to be some big changes coming your way. Thanks. Welcome to the final three. So we'll go into the next section, the final three. Uh, the first, the first question is the most recent book you've read and one thing you learned from it. Uh, so the most recent book I read was Mike Bowman's book, Hustle and Repeat. And the thing I love about the book 
is, and what I learned from it was, you got to step out and just try new things. I know Mike has a has a crazy awesome story about how he traded a truck that he had bought for cheap and traded it for a house and went in and rehabbed the house and flipped it. So that just goes to show that you have to, you got to put your foot out and take a chance and just, you know, make it work. I mean, just make it work because, and that's what I learned from the the book was just step out in faith and make it happen. That's sweet. And we just recently had uh, Mike on the podcast, which we'll link uh, in the show notes, uh, link that book in the description. Question number two, uh, what is one principle you strive to live your life by? So I was just had this put on our construction shirts because it's, it's big for me. Um, dream, <laughs> dream bigger and work harder is something that I would like to live, kind of live my, my construction life by and and you know that's how I want to lead my business life. Uh, like I said, dreaming big is free. So dream bigger and then go out and work harder. Yeah, happen. I, I really like that because um, a lot of times I think we limit our what is possible for ourselves because mm-hmm. we have these limiting beliefs about what we're able to accomplish. But if we stretch for those bigger goals and start thinking about how possible it could be to do some of these bigger goals. Uh, so dream bigger, like it almost helps pull you towards that goal. But of course you got to accompany it, uh, accompany it by, um, doing some hard work. Yeah, And I've, I've definitely struggled with that myself is, you know, limiting beliefs and, you know, wondering if some, I've, I've been up at nights just wondering if, if it's even possible to be successful. Like I've literally had that thought, is this even possible? And then at the end of the day, I think something that's super important is surrounding yourself with people that want to have have the same goal in mind and being successful if you surround yourself with the right people that have the same beliefs and you know have the same interest and want to go as far as you want to go it really opens your mind up my mind has really been opened up just by the people that i'm around yeah absolutely uh third question what is one of the greatest pieces of advice you've been given uh the greatest piece of advice i've ever been given was to quit fedex (laughs) (laughs) Without that, I don't know that I would have, if I wouldn't have had people pushing me and stuff like that, I don't know that I would have ever quit and even be here today talking. Um, so that was honestly just stepping out and having people that, you know, knew that I had more potential than just driving a forklift or driving a truck telling me, you know, hey, it's going to be okay. There's other, you know, there's other stuff out there, you know, failure is not an option. Awesome. Where can people find out more about you, John? Oh, I'm on Facebook and stuff. I try to do uh, some videos here and there for construction on Facebook. I'm not the best tech-savvy person, but I do try to hop on there and, and do some stuff on Facebook with uh, Mitchell Construction. I've tried doing Instagram and YouTube a little bit. I just always get caught up in thinking that I'm too busy to take time and make those videos, but that's something I want to work on is doing more videos and trying to grow my social platforms a little bit more. Awesome. And we'll link those in the description so people can uh, find out more about you. Uh, to close, dude, thanks for coming on. You have an awesome story thanks, and I man. cannot wait to see, I mean, you're only 23 years old. Um, I wish I was where you are when I was 23 years old. So Thank you're, you. you're killing it. Hey, for just for good old, good old times. Uh, why don't you close us with a auctioneer rattle off? Yeah, Jake, <laughs> you own a pest control business, but you bug the crap out of me. <laughs> 
Oh, right here now, what do you want to give here? I'm 25, not a day, 30, not 30, better than 35, not a day, now better than 35, 40, 40, not a day, better than 40, 40, not a day, better than 40, 50, 50, not a day, better than 50, 50, find out a day, now better than 50, find out a day, sold them, Jake.